Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today on the show, we're talking about teaching from home while maintaining healthy habits. You can find the accompanying article that goes along with this episode at colorfulkeys.ie slash one five six. Hey there, beautiful teachers, and welcome to another episode. So, so good to have you here. Today, we're talking about developing healthy habits when you teach from home. Now, you may have been teaching from your home for years and years and years, or you might be brand new to teaching altogether, or you might have had to transition from teaching at a school or other location to teaching out of your home. I know many teachers personally who have moved in the last year from teaching in students' houses, going to all their students, to teaching from their own home as they were teaching online. And that's a very different experience, isn't it? Many of them quickly realized how much time and money they were saving from their commute. But it's not all roses, right? Teaching from our own houses. There are many things I love about it. It's definitely my preferred teaching location and I want to keep teaching from my home for the foreseeable future. But it's not always easy to balance your home life and your teaching life when they both are in the same physical location, right? So in this episode, I want to give you a few tips especially if you're new to this, but even if you've been doing this for a while, you might need a refresher course, I think I do sometimes, on some of these ideas that will help you develop those healthy habits. So let's start with your piano teaching business boundaries. Yes, boundaries. The boundaries can be pretty fuzzy, right? But one of the most important ones that we can set for ourselves are our business hours. So this is one where when you're brand new to teaching, it really doesn't seem like a big deal. I remember this myself from the beginning years. I would answer a text here for a parent or check my email whenever I felt like it, including in the evening or early in the morning, didn't matter, and just answer it right there and then. Or take calls whenever, all that stuff. When you only have a few students, that's sort of fine. I mean, it's not great, but it doesn't cause a major issue. But when you're dealing with like 20, 30, 60 students like I am, I don't teach all of those personally, they're with other teachers in the studio, but 
I do all the admin for that. So when you're dealing with that many students, it can really snowball. It can become a serious problem. Even if it's just a quick answer to a text or shooting quick email or not even answering one, but just reading it, even if it only takes 10 seconds of reading something, that stays in your mind, doesn't it? Does it for you? Does it start turning and whirring in the back of your mind until you answer it? I know it does for me. So the simplest solution, simple, not easy, is to set business hours for yourself and stick to them. Whether that's, you know, you answer your office, you do all your office work, say from 10 to 1 every day, every weekday, something like that, that fits alongside your teaching and works with your family. Now, that doesn't have to be the hours. It could be 8 to 10 in the evening. I don't care what it is. There's no judgment from me if that suits you better. But try to have some kind of structure around this so that it's not whenever things arrive. That's where the issue can start. Okay, so that's your hours. What about the boundaries around your physical space? Even if your teaching area is just a desk in your living room, and trust me, it was mine for many, many years. I just recently, a couple of months ago, moved into a separate room in my house for my teaching, okay? So it is very common for that to be the case. And I know for me, what was really helpful is even if it's just that corner, having everything to do with teaching in that corner. So I didn't let myself have my box of teaching games on the other side of the living room and then the Beanie Babies that I play with on the other side and the bookshelf on the other side. I really organized it in that corner. Sounds like a silly thing, but it did mean that when I wasn't teaching, I could close the piano lid, put away the things, walk away from that vicinity to the couch on the other side of the room and actually feel like I was now in my home zone, right? Because I don't use that couch when I'm teaching, and I don't use, not that I don't play piano in my own time, but I don't use my teaching chair and that area when it's personal time. Does that make sense? So even if it is just a corner of your room, can you put a little definition there? Can you have some little divider even if it's just a line on the wall somehow that signifies this is this space, this is the other space. The other boundary I believe you should put in place is around your routine generally. Routines are fantastic for creating habits for yourself and for those around you, right? We all have people in our lives. Even if we're living alone, we have people in our lives and they appreciate some kind of predictability in what we do and when we do it. So one tip I love for those who miss their work commute, as it were, is to physically leave for work, even if you're going to work from home. I don't do this myself, but I can see how if you work in an office for many years and you're used to that structure, this could be really useful. So you would just leave at your working time, say the start of your office day or your teaching day, walk around the block and come back home. And then you start work. And then when it's time to commute home, you physically leave and walk around the block and come back home again. I love this because you get that little bit of fresh air, which is wonderful, but it also just gives you that definite start and end point. Another routine I've heard about is 
simply having a shutdown ritual. So literally saying shut down complete uh, when guy does it that way. But it could be anything, any kind of signifier of this is the end of my workday. This is the start of my workday, whether that's turning on your computer and turning it off or opening and closing a desk or a drawer or a box or whatever. Having something that you always do first and last in your routine. Now, taking time fully off when you teach from home is really, really tough. So, this is where having a structured calendar is super valuable. Make sure that when you set up your documents for the year for your studio, you have an actual plan for when the times off are. I know teachers who work 50, 51 weeks of the year. I mean... Everyone can do things their own way, but my gosh, do you really have to do that? We all love teaching. I love teaching as much as you do, but 50 weeks of the year, that's just unnecessary. We all need time off to recharge. And your calendar, your physical calendar, doesn't have to be anything fancy. Just an Excel template, a Google template, Canva, whatever you're comfortable using. But set it up as an actual visual calendar that you give to students. That'll hold you accountable to it. It'll mean that there's those clear boundaries around when you're teaching and when you're not. And it'll make it easier for students to follow and you'll look more professional in general. So whether that's just two weeks at Christmas and two weeks in the summer, like very minimal holidays, or whether you follow the school calendar like I do, which here in Ireland means Halloween, Christmas, Easter, and two months of summer are all off. And those are marked on my calendar. We don't teach during those times. We don't do makeup lessons. We don't do makeup lessons in general, but we don't do makeup lessons during that time. We don't run workshops. We don't do anything. It's important to have days when your studio is actually closed. Another side of this, though, is accounting for those times when you didn't know you weren't going to be able to work. So things that come up would be, obviously, if you're sick, But also things like somebody's wedding or an unexpected trip opportunity or teaching conferences. Those things are hard to account for ahead of time in a printed calendar. So what I do is I implement flex days. Now I talked about this in detail just a few episodes ago now in 146. So you can get to that at colorfulkeys.ie slash 146. And This is just basically my system of having some kind of holiday leave or sick leave as a teacher who has that more structured schedule and that built-in time off. We still have two flex weeks every year, which means that for each student, we take up to two or exactly two days off from teaching them per year. And that's already accounted for in the calendar. So while the calendar schedule says 38 weeks, I only charge them for 36. And then we have those two flex weeks. And if we don't use them, we just finish up early. Now, let's get a little bit closer to home when it comes to teaching piano from home and talk about you. Self care. It's almost a buzzword. I mean, it really is a buzzword at this stage, isn't it? But it's important. Looking after yourself is vital. And it's even more important if you're self employed. Not that anyone matters less, but if you're self-employed, you don't have paid sick leave, you don't have these other things. 
you can implement systems, but really, if you get sick, and especially if you get long-term ill, other things crop up as a result of not looking after yourself, you can't make money. (laughs) That's the fact. You are your business. So you have to take time to look after yourself. This means the basics. It means exercise and eating properly. Let's talk about exercise. It's lovely not to have a commute or to have just a fake commute like we talked about before. But back when I worked in an office, I worked in fashion and so I went to an office every day once upon a time. And when I did, I had the 8am shift, so I had to be there at 8 until 5, and some people did 9 to 6, super fun. Anyway, so I had to be there at 8, and I cycled to work. So I used to cycle literally everywhere, so I cycled to work, it's the only, well, it's not the only affordable option. You can get the bus in Dublin, I was working in the city centre, I definitely could have gotten the bus but I hate buses. There's a fact about me. I've always kind of hated them. I just find them so frustrating. Our bus system is also not the greatest. And for me, I hated spending money on it, honestly. I'm just a bit stingy like that. Anyway, so I used to cycle absolutely everywhere. And the bonus of that, yeah, it wasn't fun. Like I was in the wind and the rain and being smashed into the sides of cars. Yes, literally by the wind on my way in sometimes in the dark, because it's before 8am, right? So for large portions of the year, that's pitch black and then finishing at five, also already dark, miserable. But the one great thing about that and the reason I kept doing it and didn't find an alternative way of getting there, such great exercise, it's built into your day. When I started at that office, I was living quite a while away. So I was cycling, what was it, 25 minutes in, 50 minutes home. That's how uphill it was. 50 minutes on the way home. I was fit without paying attention to it. But if you work from home, you don't have that built-in opportunity. You can't set yourself up by saying, well, I just cycle to work every day. That's just what I do. So you have to have other things that are just what you do. You have to build it enough into the system that you naturally are going to exercise every day. And I don't mean, you know, you don't have to do a serious workout if that's not your style every day. It doesn't have to be some grueling, arduous task, but you have to move your body every day. You really do. So many health problems come of not doing that. And this is not that type of podcast. I'm not here to talk about health, right? And I'm not qualified. But I want to encourage you as someone who, apart from cycling, is not athletic, never have been very into sports. Many of you will know I did dancing, but I've never been, yeah, coordinated or just generally active in that way. I have seen the difference it makes. And the biggest difference for me is building it into your day so that it is just what you do. It's just a natural part of the day. And the best advice I ever received about exercise, and then I'll shut up about it, okay? But the best advice I ever received and I finally understood where I'd been going wrong, was somebody said to me, the best exercise, people, you know, faff around trying to decide whether they should run because that burns slightly more calories or do weight training because it's better for bone density or something or other, right? The best exercise, though, is the one you'll actually do. 
Now, I feel like maybe some of you rolled your eyes at me like that. Yeah, obviously. But that was such wonderful advice to me because I had been going about it all wrong. If you don't enjoy the exercise, you're not going to do it. So it doesn't matter how good it is for you. So pick something you actually enjoy. (laughs) Sounds so silly. But so many of us do this. We try to make it like, oh, the burn and do this. If you love that part of it, great. But if you love yoga or Pilates or walking or basketball or dancing, do that. Right? Fake conduct to Beethoven if that's the exercise that you love. Okay, the other side of your health thing, the self-care part, is eating. Eating right. And I know how hard that is as a teacher. I know how valuable your after-school hours become. Right, that 3 to 7 p.m., you want to fit in as many students as possible. And so it's really hard to schedule those breaks because you feel like you're losing money, but you're going to lose more money in the long term if you don't have the breaks where you get to go, first of all, go to the bathroom, drink enough water. Not that you can't drink water while you're teaching, but some of us forget, and eat proper snacks that actually fuel you, and those tend to take that little bit more time. Now, we do have a post that I did before about some healthy snack ideas, so if you're interested in that, you can find it on the blog. There's a link in this article. It goes along with this episode. But really, it's about finding what works for you and scheduling those breaks. Um, It might not even be about having a snack during that time for you. It might be about sitting in silence and closing your eyes, and that's fine too. But you do need to schedule those breaks and you do need to give yourself proper nutrition that you actually enjoy. So those are some tips for developing some healthier habits when you're teaching from home. I would love to hear yours though. Let's not stop the discussion here. You can find the accompanying article for this episode at colorfulkeys.a slash 156 and I'd love to hear your comments there in the comment section or you can find me on Facebook come over to the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers Facebook group, tag me there, ask me a question, let me know your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. And other than that, I'll see you next week for the next episode of the podcast. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.